Well, hello, and welcome to the Made for This podcast. I'm your host, Julie Turner, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today. I hope you're all enjoying a wonderful holiday season and that you're able to find moments of peace and joy and even rest in the midst of this busy December. On this show, I talk with individuals that I believe are living out their God-given purpose right in the space where they're at. I believe that we are all made on purpose and for a purpose, and I hope you find these conversations encouraging and inspiring as you set out to live in your own purpose every day of your life as well, with all of your unique gifting and right in the space where you've been planted. Because imagine if we all decided to live intentionally in our purpose every day. I sincerely believe that together we can make a huge difference in the world around us. Today, I have the privilege of introducing you to my new friend, Christy Weary. I absolutely loved getting to know her and learning a little bit more about her story. And she was such a fun guest to have on a podcast called Made For This, because as you will hear in our conversation, God began to reveal his purpose for her all the way back in her early teen years. Christy's a wife and a mama to five beautiful children, and she's the co-founder of a nonprofit organization called Illuminate India. And the work she's doing is absolutely incredible and so inspiring. I know you will love hearing from her. So without further ado, here's my conversation with my new friend, Christy Weary. Well, hello and welcome to the Made for This podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today and to meet you. This is my friend, Christy, my new friend, Christy. (laughs) Would you just take a minute to go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. I'm Christy Weary, and I am a mom to five kids and wife to Jason, and I'm a co-founder of Illuminate India, which is a nonprofit that works with kids in India. Which is so exciting, so, and we'll hear a lot more about that. So tell us about your family. You yeah. have a, a pretty large number of children in your in your roost. Yes, I have five kids, um, three boys and two girls, and the youngest three are originally from India. Okay. So um, so that's been fun, and the youngest two also have special needs, so oh, that's wow. part of our family dynamic. Uh-huh. Um, they both have cerebral palsy. Okay. And so, yeah, so there's been a, a big learning curve there, but it's, it's I mean, they're all of my kids are an amazing blessing and I'm super, yeah, right. just feel super blessed to be their mom. And yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. And so you're your mom and mm-hmm. wife, and then you also are a co-founder of this mm-hmm. organization. And that is, that is your primary job outside of the home. Right. And I, I was a teacher, a special education teacher was okay. my original career path. And then, um, I stayed home for about eight years just raising raising the kids. And then when the youngest one went to first grade, so full-time, then I actually went back to teaching for a year. And then I got this opportunity to go full-time with Illuminate. Oh, wow. And so I've been doing that now for about a year and a half. That's so, so exciting. Well, I can't wait to get into all of that. And it really mm-hmm. started with, I'm so, I just love, I think adoption is beautiful. And I have mm-hmm. so many friends that have gone down that path. What led you to, so your oldest two are your biological children. Mm-hmm. What led you then to start um, down the adoption path for your family? Well, so I have to kind of back up till to when I was like 13. Oh, okay. Oh, that's so fun. <laughs> I, yeah. I have always kind of had this adventure streak, this like need to travel and go new places. And so when I was about 13, I started planning for this, you know, epic adventure. And, and so I got a job and raised money and went to Egypt for a summer when I was, I ended up going when I was 15. So yeah, I went, I spent a whole summer in an orphanage in Egypt Oh my goodness! and with a, with a team of people and we were renovating several different um, parts of the orphanage, but also spending time with the kids for the whole summer. And, And so that I think was kind of for me like that, 
defining moment of like I I know I want to adopt some of my wow. kids or maybe all of my kids at that point I didn't know at you know 15 you knew that yeah wow. okay side note for a second yeah because I'm thinking I'm listening to this as a mom who uh-huh. has a kid in college for the first time and who is going on a missions trip to South Africa in a few weeks and he's fully adult and can do this and I'm like um <laughs> South Africa <laughs> that's a ways mm-hmm. you know how was that for your mom letting your her 15 year old daughter go to yeah. Egypt for the summer you know, I ask her that to this day. I'm like, how did you let me do yeah. that? Because I don't, honestly don't think I would let my 15-year-old, I'm right? having almost 15-year-old, there's no way. I, I don't think I could let him. I oh mean, maybe I goodness. would. Maybe I would, you know, <laughs> yeah. get over it and let him. But I don't know. I mean, yeah. her and my dad were very supportive. And wow. there were certain places that they said, you can't go because it's not safe. We don't feel comfortable. But at that time, Egypt was very stable. Okay. And so they're like, okay. <laughs> and wow. yeah. And, and how did you choose Egypt? Initially, I, it's funny. I, when I was 13 and I had this, you know, decided I'm, yeah. I'm going to go have this adventure. I, I just remember praying and saying, okay, God, I'll, I'll go anywhere you want me to go, but nowhere in Africa. Like I just, uh, that's scary. I don't want to go there. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, and so then it was funny because after I prayed that prayer, then all of a sudden everything in me just wanted to go somewhere in Africa. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. And so then, you know, they have you with, it's Teen Missions International is the group I went with. And they okay. have you pick like your first five choices or something. And my first choice was Zimbabwe. And then my second choice was Egypt. Okay. And I think all my choices were in Africa. Oh my and goodness. I ended up getting my second choice. And then the next year I went to Zimbabwe. So I ended up oh my getting to go there. But. that's so funny? Sometimes mm-hmm. when we tell God definitively, I will not do yes. this. And I don't want this. And then mm-hmm. that's the exact yeah. path we had burning down, desire. So. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So back now, sorry, that was just my <laughs> side note, but back yeah. to the um, decision to, so that's where the adoption originated, the desire. Right. right. And so then how, how did you choose India and how did yeah. that start then for you and your husband? So and was he on the, did he have a similar adoption desire prior to? He was always open and he has two, his two youngest siblings are adopted. Okay. And so for him, it was that was just normal. And so for him, it was like, oh, great, sure, fantastic. And so neither of us really knew like what order if we would even try to have biological, if we would only adopt. We didn't ever really talk about that. We just knew we're going to adopt someday. That'll be part of our family makeup. And so then when I, we sort of accidentally got pregnant with the first one way before we wanted to, you know, we were kind of on the five-year plan and it was like more like the (laughs) one-year plan. So we decided, okay, let's just have one more and then, then let's look into adoption. So they were both boys. And so it was perfect. I'm like, I've got to have my girl. And I, we didn't really care necessarily about whether it's domestic, whether it's international. I just knew like for me at that time, I didn't feel like my heart could handle adopting out of the foster care system. I feel like I could handle it now. I I didn't think I could handle it then, just the idea of bonding with your child and then having them possibly go back with the birth family. I just didn't feel like I could handle it. So I wanted to go international so that I knew before they ever came home that they were mine Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't have to say goodbye. So so that's why we pursued an international. And then at the time at at our church, there was a lady that looked actually a lot like me. She was just maybe like 10 years older and she had a little daughter from India. And so it was kind of, I don't know, I think God just maybe put her in my life to kind of just show this picture of this is what it could look like. And for me, I was just so drawn to that. And, And so I started researching it and learning more about girls and the plight of girls in India. And I was just like, wow, I, I just really 
I want my daughter to be from India. And I just love the culture. I love the food. I love the music. Everything about it is I'm drawn to it. And so when you're trying to infuse another culture into your family, you know, it's good to pick something that you're interested in or that mm-hmm. you feel like you could bring that in. Right. And so for me, that was, it just was natural and I was drawn to it. Wow. So, so prior to that experience, had mm-hmm. you ever been to India uh-uh. before? Okay. No. So first time in India mm-hmm. is when you go over yeah. to, wow. Yep. Okay. So what was that like? How talk, um, did you and your husband go together then? We did. To go? Yeah, okay. we went together. And that was in 2007 was when we were able to finally go and get my oldest daughter, Dea. Uh-huh. And, you know, it was just, I think it wasn't so much of a shock for me because I'd traveled internationally mm-hmm several times before and I'd been to third world countries. And so for me, seeing the poverty, while, you know, it is a shock to the system, it wasn't completely unfamiliar. So that, I think that was helpful. But just that experience of meeting her for the first time and going into the orphanage and seeing where she'd been living and meeting her caregivers and just being in her culture was just an amazing, amazing experience. Wow. Yeah, it was, yeah. So, and we got on video, we got the moment where we first met her. And that oh. is like one of my most favorite memories of my whole life. You know, it's oh, just, yeah. yeah, it was magical. One of my friends has a video like that and I cry every time. <laughs> and her daughter's, you know, 10. So yeah. I, <laughs> but every year they'll post it and every year I cry. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's just the sweetest thing mm-hmm. in the whole world. Oh, that's so great. Okay. So you bring her back home mm-hmm. and then how long was it before you decided to continue adopting yeah. in India? From well, India? so, um... She'd been home maybe six months, and I thought, here we are, this white family, and we have this beautiful brown Indian daughter, and I just felt like, for her, it's not, I didn't want her to feel like she was the only brown person in our family. I just mm-hmm. felt like that wasn't fair to her, and and I wanted another daughter, so mm-hmm. it was kind of like yeah. it met both of our needs. So we started the process, I think, maybe about six months after Dea came home, and then and Shaylee was she was a baby. I mean, we her process went really fast. It was like only a year. So Shaylee's only two years younger than Dea, so that oh, worked wow. out pretty well wow. as far as like the time timeline. And so, how did you choose then? What broke your heart for special needs adoption? Yeah, I think we were always open. I got my degree in special ed, so I was always just open. I just love, I love kids with special needs. I've just always had a heart for that. And so when, you know, when you start doing all the adoption paperwork, one thing they ask you is, are you open to special needs? And, And usually you fill out a questionnaire kind of saying what you're open to. And so ours was pretty open. And with Dea, actually, we thought she had cerebral palsy when we went when we signed paperwork to adopt her. And then by the time she got home, she had exited out of all of her physical therapy oh, over there, and wow. she didn't end up having it. Okay. And so then with the second, with Shaylee, we still were open. And so when we got her referral, they said, you know, she most likely has cerebral palsy and she had she also had strabismus so her eyes were crossed mm. and and so by the time she got home we realized she definitely had it she but she has a fairly mild a mild spastic um she's diplegic so just it's her lower half mostly okay. and she's had several eye surgeries and she wears glasses and yeah. um but she's like just smart and spunky yeah. and you know she's amazing she's she's a little go-getter and um 
we call her our, our spicy girl because she's yeah. super Aww. fiery and spicy. And, <laughs> oh, <that's so laughs> and Day is opposite. Day is really mellow and low key. And yeah, yeah. so. Yeah, so does we were just she open. have mobility then? <clears throat> she her? does. Okay. Yeah, so she walks, she walks, talks. She she was a little late on her walking and she needed braces to be able to start walking. But mm-hmm. um, now I think unless you really were looking hard, you probably wouldn't notice that she has cerebral palsy. I don't, I don't think, you know, people in like people who work with her in school notice, but just like a random person on the street probably wouldn't, wouldn't notice. Okay. So that's four out of the five. So then how did your fifth come to be a part of your family? So when we went to get Shaylee, I was taking pictures for some other families of kids that they were in process to adopt. And I saw this little baby and he was just like six weeks old and I took his picture. And then after coming home, I, the social worker connected me with a family who was considering adopting this little boy. And so through talking to these people and I was in contact with the social worker, I was just kind of following this little boy and just wondering, oh, what's going to happen to him? Because I mean, I saw him when he was six weeks old. And, and so about 18 months after that trip, I saw a picture of a new picture of him and oh. he was just wearing this little this little blue stocking cat and he was just ha- stocking hat and he was super cute. He oh. was just standing like peeking over his oh. crib and he just had these gorgeous big brown eyes and I don't know what it was like that picture <laughs> it was god I don't know but it was like okay this is my kid oh. you know. And so I had to convince my husband a bit about that, <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> took oh, a little bit. But yeah. um, so he came home when he was two and a half, and oh, his wow. is, his cerebral palsy is more moderate. He he does use a walker to walk, okay, and he also has speech apraxia. So he talks, but he didn't really talk till he was like five, okay, and and he's difficult to understand. But he is just an absolute joy. I mean, that kid is happy, and he lights up. Anywhere he goes, I mean, people are smiling. I mean, he's he's an amazing kid, and oh, he's that's so yeah, exciting. It's just a blessing to us. Oh my goodness! And how did your older two do with the adoption process? Were they all on board? Yeah. And yeah, I think for them, I mean, we started the process in like 2005 is the first time we started the process. So that my oldest was five, the second one was three. So so really, it's all they've ever known. Right. You yeah, know, they just great. know that they have siblings from India and that mom yeah. and dad go to India. And, yeah. You yeah. know, they like Indian food and they're just good with all of it. So. Right. Oh, that's so exciting. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. That's so exciting. And then <laughs> not only did you have your whole family and just grown through adoption, but then while you were there, you were burdened with the desire to start mm-hmm. some assistance over there. So tell us about that and how that yeah. led to where you are now. And so, um, w- uh, one of my friends who I met um, through our adoption agency, they were in the process at the same time. Her name is Bree, and she herself was adopted from India as okay. an infant, and mm-hmm. she grew up in Oregon. And her and I connected when I was in process for AJ, so my third, my youngest. And she was in process to adopt her daughter, Tanaya, at the same time. And we ended up meeting beforehand, but then we ended up going to India at the same exact time. Oh, my goodness. To go get our kids. So we were able to... Did that just happen, or did you plan it, it that no, way? Well, it, we found out that we had passport and that the passports were ready, and we were ready to travel at the same time. So we just kind of planned it a little bit further that we would oh be goodness. there around, you know... That's amazing. And be able to spend time together there. So... 
So oh, while we were, we didn't, even, we stayed in the same hotel and I was having problems getting my son to eat. He wouldn't eat. He was oh. two and a half and he was really traumatized, you know, just leaving right. yeah. the only home he'd ever known. And he was really close with his caregivers. And okay. so he was really not doing well and he wouldn't eat. Oh. And so I had called the orphanage and the director came over to our hotel mm-hmm. and she got, of course he would eat for her, no problem. And, um, <laughs> and so while she was there feeding him, she was just, we were asking her questions about you know, the kids and how things were going. And she was really, she just opened up and told us about some changes that they'd made in the government. And before families who had adopted were able to donate money to help the kids in the orphanage through the adoption agency, they could send money over to help them be able to continue to feed the kids who were there. But India had completely put a stop to that so that no adoption agencies could ever send money ever again to any orphanage. And part of that I can understand just ethically, you know, you kind of wonder is that, you know, you could see that, okay, maybe some agencies are taking advantage of that situation and they're sending money and then they're able to somehow, it could be perceived as like a human trafficking thing. And maybe in some cases it was, Okay, but in this case, this orphanage was completely ethical and had never been in trouble for one thing, always followed the rules super on the up and up. And so it hurt them because right. they couldn't, that's one of their main ways that they were able to take care of the ones that are still there is oh, through the families who were, right. had been there and seen it and wanted to continue helping. Oh gosh. So, so um, then they have these kids in front of them, right. but they're now wondering what they can continue right. to do. Exactly. Oh, so so she was just in this spot where she's like, we don't know what to do. Yeah. And so Bree and I, you know, after she left, we just were like, wow, we, we have to do something, you know, wow. how can we just know now we know this. How can we go back and not do anything? So it took us a few months, you know, of just, we had to kind of hunker down with our kid and, (laughs) you know, do the bonding thing. And then I think it was like maybe four months later, we were talking and we're like, okay, let's, let's just start a nonprofit because then all the families can give to that orphanage through our nonprofit. And then that's all good with the government. You know, the Indian government is totally good with that. So, so that's how we initially started it. But then... Like, just throughout the years, we would find these other pockets of, of kids that need help. You know, we found a group of kids that were living on the roof of a school in a remote village. And they, you know, these kids were going to this school, but they didn't have any place to stay. Like, at night, they had to sleep on the roof. Oh, heavens. Yeah. Oh, dear. So, uh, like you know. Like, uncovered, just on the roof. Yeah, just oh, on the roof. And so we... So then we're like, okay, let's raise money for a building so that they can at least have a place to sleep, you know, and things like that you find. And so then it just grew into this bigger thing. And we were just both volunteering our time and other people were joining in with us. And Okay. I love stories. I listen to a podcast (laughs) and they talk about only God moments where Mm -hmm. that is just the most incredible thing that here's this girl that you came to know through this adoption process. Mm accidentally, not accidentally, ended up on the same exact timing for your going to get your children and then had your hearts equally broken Mm -hmm. for the situation. And then obviously this attachment because you have these sweet children that you just saw living in that exact environment Mm -hmm. and you saw the care they were getting. And and then together you've just united and now not strangers, (laughs) (laughs) business partners together. I mean, that's amazing. Okay. So one of the things that I loved as I started researching what you're doing and reading your website is just 
that you are partnered with people that are actually from that culture mm-hmm. and, and organizations already in place over there and you found them and then mm-hmm. you're coming along to lend support and then you just shared on this podcast your heart for the culture and mm-hmm. just how, how beautiful their culture is. Tell us a little bit about that, like yeah. your philosophy about all of that right. as an organization. So, so Bree and I, when we when we first started discussing starting this, and um, with some of the other founding members, we we all really were sure that we wanted to partner with people already on the ground who we knew, who we trusted, because for us, it's not about going in and trying to change anybody or you know be some sort of a savior to any people. We don't feel that we're in a position where from the West that we have any right to go into somebody else's culture and think that we need to save these people. You know, for us, it's more about a neighbor lending a hand. And for us, we saw this need, especially in the, in the orphanage where my kids were from talking to the director, we saw a need right there that she needed help. And that need wasn't being met right there in India. She didn't have the resources she needed right there. But in the West, we do have more resources financially mm-hmm. than in a lot of other places. And so for us to be able to gather around people who have a heart for, you know, kids in need in India, we, we thought this is, you know, this would be the way to do it is just right. to partner with people that are already there, already doing amazing work in their own culture. I love that. I just think that's beautiful when organizations, like you just said, reaching out to a neighbor and saying, hey, mm-hmm. I see the great work that you're doing. Yeah. How can I support you? How can I lend support to what you already have in place? Mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful. And I was so mm-hmm. impressed by that when I read that on your website. So, Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. That's incredible. Okay, so you have, I was looking on your website, which, by the way, for anybody listening, it's mm-hmm. illuminateindia.org. Yep. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so they can go read a little bit more about uh-huh. what you do. Um, before we talk about IREX and you sort of touched down on those, how did you come to name it Illuminate India? Yeah. I love that name. It's beautiful. <laughs> Actually, it was it was Bree's idea. So we were just kind of trying to think of cool names. And, you know, in India, they have this one festival called Diwali, and it's the Festival of Lights. And that's like one of the most famous festivals that they do and okay. celebrations that they have. And and so people over there identify with this idea of lights and illumination, oh, and, you know? Yeah. And so that's when she thought about Illuminate India, because not only would it be, it works here, but it also works there. So when we go over there, people... People have told us they really love that name. Oh, that's so great. So, yeah. Oh, very cool. So, okay, so you start this this nonprofit, which, by the way, that's no, that's no easy task, I've heard, yeah. with our tax laws and mm-hmm. to get all that. A lot of paperwork. Yeah, I've had a lot of learning curve for <laughs> mm-hmm. you guys on yeah. getting that all mm-hmm. set up, which is incredible. And you have two specific projects that mm-hmm. you are currently working on at this time. And right. one was for special needs, which mm-hmm. obviously I can see how that would have drawn your heart. Right. And then the other one, uh, <clears throat> career paths, uh-huh. correct? Okay. Yep. So let's start with the special needs component. What do yeah. you, what do you offer there and provide? Okay. So that's all based out of the original orphanage that my kids were adopted from. So okay. it's called the Indian Society for the Rehabilitation of Children. So ISRC is okay. the acronym and it's in Calcutta. And so 
to support the kids there that have special needs, we're funding their physical therapy, oh, wow. um, special education, and in some cases, speech therapy, and then nutritious meals. So just to beef up the protein and the fresh fruits and veggies. And then depending depending on the kid, we did have two kids who we were able to help fund them to go to a special school. But now they just they did just change the rules. So turned six and has not been adopted, then they have to go into this government home, which is outside, like two hours outside of the city. Okay. And so we, now we can only work with kids that are up to up through six. So oh. there's a big push to get them as much intervention as possible so that they will be able to be adopted. Oh. Um, but also we've just started a new project and we're partnering with ISRC that they they're actually the ones that have started the project and we're partnering with them but going out into the village and finding kids who have special needs but have never had access to physical therapy oh, wow. and then bringing the physical therapist therapists out to them in the oh, village wow yeah oh my gosh so, okay so what is that like for those families yeah so that's like life-changing because yeah. there's such a stigma in India um, with special needs and the tendency there is to hide them away and okay. not let them be out in public and especially when with people who are living in poverty, they don't have access to physical therapy. They don't have the resource, resources to provide that for their kids. Right. So for them to be able to have that opportunity is huge. You know, the fact that their kid would be able to make progress and hopefully become more independent. Right. And, I mean, that could just transform their entire life. That's amazing. If they could suddenly, you know, go from not walking to walking and, you know, or be able to put their own clothes on or feed themselves, things like that are huge. I can't imagine as a mom getting that contact for the first time, having Mm -hmm. somebody contact me and say, Hey, we've seen that you have a need. Can we support you? I Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine what that would feel like when you're living in that kind of a situation Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out, do the best you can for those kids. That's amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. Definitely. And I'm excited because that program just started. And so I'm heading over to India next month and I'm going to get to go out there and see that and meet those families and meet those kids and take pictures and video. And I'm I'm so excited. It's just going to be fun. Oh my goodness. I can't imagine that. I, (laughs) I mean, that just really pulls at my mom heart of just having basically somebody show up on your doorstep and say, mm-hmm. how can I help yeah. in such a profound way that mm-hmm. would make such an impact for that present and for the future yeah. for them and the, the child. That's Definitely. incredible. Definitely. Oh and, you know, like my my daughter, Shaylee, physical therapy was the difference between her not walking and walking. Wow. I mean, it wasn't until she started physical therapy and got the braces and got the specific intervention that, I mean, she was two and she wasn't walking. Wow. And so for me, it's like, wow, I I know that it's going to just transform their lives, right. you know? Right. So that part you said is fairly new mm-hmm. and recent. So mm-hmm. have you gotten to see some of the success stories yet or have the families gotten to see? Not yet. Not yet. You're yeah. Yes. Yeah. You so know what's just, coming because Yeah, they've seen. just started. Yeah. So yeah. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. that'll be so exciting for you when you get to go over and see yeah. that for yourself. Mm-hmm. And so what is one of the most exciting things you've seen through that side then of of your project. Yeah. Um, I think probably just seeing kids learn new skills that I can think of one boy in particular who he had been in the orphanage since birth and he was about 16 at the time when we started to really bump up all the physical therapies. And so had lived in the orphanage for his whole 16 years of life and had had, you know, they had tried to provide some interventions, but 
they weren't just financially, they weren't able to do it as consistently. And so when we came along, they were all of a sudden able to get it like twice a week. Oh, and what were his special needs? I'm sorry. So he has cerebral palsy. Oh, as well. Okay. Uh And he, and so it, it was probably within like six months he was able to be potty trained. Oh, my goodness. He um, was able to start feeding himself completely independently. And just for him, that was a huge confidence builder. Oh, you know, for sure. Just to be able to have that independence. At 16, right. oh, you know, there's a sure. part of him that even though he uh, he does have some cognitive disabil- disabilities, he um, definitely had that streak in him that wanted that yeah. independence, you know. Oh, my so, goodness. Yeah, that was exciting just to see that. Oh. And, for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's incredible. And just the the empowerment and the dignity and mm-hmm. all of that that goes along with right. that independence. Oh, gosh, that's sure. amazing. Mm-hmm. What's one of the hardest things that you encountered when you first went over there in that as, as it relates mm-hmm. to special needs situations? Yeah, there's sometimes there's kids that you just can't help, uh, you know, and there's I can think of this little boy who in particular who I just absolutely fell in love with and he had multiple disabilities he was also blind and he was just the sweetest happiest most adorable little boy ever but he had some sort of a I'm not exactly sure what his condition was but he would aspirate and so he ended up getting really sick and he got the stomach flu and oh gosh and so he ended up passing away oh and so there's things like that that it's like you try so hard yeah and but there's things like that you just can't you can't predict if somebody's going to have some yeah. sort of a health issue that you can't overcome and so i mean i wish i just so wish that he could have been adopted and had yeah. a family and had more medical care but it didn't happen and right so i mean that's the thing that grieves me the most is the kids that you can't ultimately you can't help them you oh, try, but yeah. you can't. That would be so hard, especially yeah. because you're so emotionally attached to them from even over here. Right. Because you're so connected right. to your own family. and Right. Yeah, that would be heartbreaking. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And hard on the caregivers as well, I'm sure. Right. So. It's, it is. It's really hard on them. And over there, you know, they're, they don't have a big turnover among the caregivers. Those caregivers, a lot of them have been there for 20-plus years. Wow. And so they're like moms to these kids, you know. And so wow. when one of them dies, and it doesn't happen very often. It's very rare. But when one of them dies, I mean, those caregivers are gutted. It oh. is. I mean, it takes them so long to just not wow. just be in that total grief right. mode it's right. so and are they there 24 7 do they live on site then the caregivers or um, do they have rotations they have people? nurses that do okay. live there but the the main caregivers they are on a rotation okay so but still it's like a big mm-hmm. family yeah when you spend mm-hmm. 20 plus years working with kids right so. Hey everyone, we're going to get right back to my conversation with Christy, but I wanted to thank today's sponsor, Audible.com. Audible offers over 180,000 audiobook titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Audible is offering all of you listeners of the Made for This podcast a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I would like to personally recommend that you go download your free copy of I'll Push You by Justin Skizik and Patrick Gray. We heard from them about their incredible story on episode 18 of the podcast, and they've released an audiobook which is narrated by Justin and Patrick themselves. How fun is that? 
Their book is incredible and will have you laughing one minute and crying the next. It's the very best. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash madeforthis. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash madeforthis for your free audiobook. Thanks, everyone, and we'll get right back to my conversation with Christy. All right, well, this is all so exciting, and I just love to, as I've done these interviews, just how, like, this podcast is called Made For This, and I love how when God... We're made for, we're made on purpose for a purpose. And mm-hmm. so he began this in you at such an early age. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't know exactly how this was all going to unfold. But at 13, he started burdening your heart for where you are now, which is just right. so incredible and so exciting. And then your training in special education and, and all of this has just prepared you to just show up to this with all of this skill and all of this heart, which is incredible. So you've, <laughs> we've talked about the special needs component. You have this other exciting project mm-hmm. of the career pathways. So tell me a little bit about that and how right. that got started. So when we first started uh, the nonprofit, I, I would say probably about a year in is when we found this group of kids. We got connected with a group of kids who were living on the roof of their school. And so just in visiting them and getting to know them, we realized, okay, there's these amazing kids and they have, they're getting an education, but what about when they're done with their education or what Mm -hmm. if, how can we support them further? How can we make sure that they can complete their education and then go on to actually have a career? And so we started just to talk about that with our board and with the people who we've been working with. And that's how we developed this project. So it started with them and providing them with vocational education while they're still getting their main education and then making sure that they have nutritious foods and so that they're growing, they're healthy while they're getting their education and then supporting them beyond that. So when they graduate, if they can graduate, because some, a lot of them won't be able to, you know, in India, there's a low percentage of kids who actually graduate high school. The exit exams are very difficult. And so what will they do? And making sure that we support them so that they can get a, some type of a career training and have a job Mm -hmm. when they age out, which age out is different depending on what level of education they can complete. So for us, particularly the girls Mm -hmm. were honing in on. So the oldest 29, we developed a sponsorship program for them. And so we have 29 sponsors who are helping us support these specific girls. And then, but we also do support the rest of the kids there. There's 165 kids. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the oldest, there's about 50 that are the oldest that are kind of in that transition phase right now. So there's that. So that village is called Cockdeep. And those kids, that's kind of one aspect of the career pathways. And then we also have a group of girls in Calcutta that live in the slums. That, and we partner with another organization that's on the ground there called Tabitha's Heart. And we're, we started a sewing training for oh. eight particular girls are the ones who started it off. And these girls are very at risk. Teenage, didn't have an education, um, or if they had any, not much, couldn't complete high school. And so they were at a huge risk for forced marriage or human trafficking, any of those situations that you don't, (laughs) you don't wish on anybody. And so we were just trying to figure out how could we meet these girls where they are? We can't put them through school because they're already 15, 16. You can't put them in second grade and expect them to go all the way through. So we started this sewing training and now they're, we started in April, they're about a little over halfway through now. And so 
what we're hoping is that by the time they're done, they'll be able to start their own business. So they'll, when they're done in April, they'll leave with a sewing machine and some supplies and they'll be able to make clothes from home and sell them. And so what we figure is that it's going to provide them with about between four and five times more income than what they were currently making when we found them. Oh, wow. So depending on what they were doing. So one girl in particular was cutting out, her job was to cut out the strap of a flip-flop. And so she would just do that all day, just cut these out, cut these out. And so she'll make like four times more than she made doing that. Wow. Um, now, so, are these kids that are that were orphaned, or are these just kids that are in the education system over there that you found? So that some of them, some of them are orphaned. Some of them don't have parents, but they lived with extended family. But we found them through our partner Tabitha's Heart. Rachel Waldstein is the one who runs that program. She's this amazing American woman who's been over there for twelve years, uh-huh. who we've been partnering with, and. She, so she runs an education center and a tutoring program, which, and we also partner with her on that. And so these are kids who they couldn't join her education program because of their situation. Right. And so some of them don't have parents. Some of them have maybe one parent, maybe they live with their grandma or, um, but they're in the slum. And so this one girl I was telling you about with the, that was cutting out straps to a flip-flop. Her father died, and her mother works in a factory like six days a week oh, for 14 hours a yeah. day. And So this could have profound impact on her family right, as well. Right, Because then they can lend right. support through And there. she has a younger sister, so she'll be able to teach her sister how to sew. Wow. And then if they can get her sister a sewing machine, then all of a sudden they have two people sewing. Right. Maybe she can teach her mom to sew. Right. You know, it's, wow. it is. It's going to change their life. And so, so that's that... That aspect of the career pathways is there too, that vocational Yeah, training, that's so, so exciting. Okay, so then that just reminded me when I saw on your website, there's multiple opportunities for people to get involved. I mean, mm-hmm. this is so exciting what you're doing. And I noticed that in one section that you could actually just buy a sewing machine right. for someone. So what does mm-hmm. it look like to to donate to your organization? What are the different ways? And then you mentioned sponsorship. Mm-hmm. And so what are some right. of the ways you can be involved for anybody listening? Yeah. Um, so right now we have a holiday catalog. So if you go to the website, there's like about 15 different gift options. And so you could purchase something that's kind of tangible that actually will make a huge impact in one of the kids that okay. we're working with. And then if people do the holiday catalog, then they can choose to have a card sent to whoever oh, they're gifting so in great. honor of. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. there's that. But there's also you know, you can buy a year of physical therapy for a child or you could buy a year of education or for the sponsorship program in particular, I'm about to open that back up because we were capped out, but now we're going to expand it and include the kids that are in the boys that are in the 10th grade. Okay. So um, we were just doing the girls and, but now we're going to open it up to the oldest boys as well. So pretty soon that will be available on the, and that's $35 a month and it provides their lunches and their secondary education and then vocational training. And then once they age out, it will also support them and put them through whatever career path, like the training that they're that they're best matched for. And then also they have a chance to communicate with that child. Nice. So like okay. twice, two or three times a year, we um, have them exchange letters. And then we try to get updates like at least four times a year, new pictures and a new little update about their sponsor child. Oh, and that's so exciting. Yeah, so... Well, I'm sort of all over the map here, but back to the education component, because I, I loved hearing a little more in depth from the special needs side. Mm-hmm. What is one of the most exciting things that you've seen happen from that career project side? Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, the kids in Cockteep so far, they're, none of them have actually aged out yet. So we're still in the transition phase with all of them. So I would say probably one of the most exciting things so far with that, it has just been seeing the kids flourish in their education. There's one, one little girl who's just done so well that the, that she has received some sort of a recognition from the town, oh. from this village in Kakti. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and just for being an exceptional scholar, which oh. I think is so cool for a kid who came from poverty to have a recognition like that in the community. Oh my goodness. So just hoping that, that more of that will happen and that these kids will feel empowered and like they can do whatever they want to do. Right. You know? Because just like we're talking about over here, made for this, those kids are made for this mm-hmm. as well. They're made with special gifting and unique Mm -hmm. skills and for them to be able to have the resources behind them to be able to allow them to reach their full potential Mm -hmm. is incredible. Right. And to be moved beyond that stigma of poverty. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I've read a lot of books on, on just global poverty and and education is such Mm -hmm. a profound, just, it it can alter. It can, Mm -hmm. it's, it's one of the most profound ways to pull people and break the poverty cycle and get people on a path. Yeah for that to be different, which is so exciting that you're able to see that. With how many kids did you say in that part of your program? So in Cockteep, there's 165. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. And the school that they go to is a private school because a lot of times in the village, especially the public schools are not adequate or even if they are on the off chance that they are adequate, they're far away. And so girls in particular having to walk long distances to school, it makes them vulnerable. Right. Um, Right. And so this school is a private school and it's right next door to the building that we were able to fund for them. So Wow. That's so exciting. Yeah. Well, this is all so exciting. And so how currently are you finding your people to donate to your organization? It's a lot of it is friends of friends. We do online campaigns. We also do some events. So here in Idaho, in Boise, we do a Curry for a Cause event every year. So this year it's going to be on March 17th. Oh, very cool. Yeah, we have an auction and we have like Bollywood dancers and a henna table where you can get henna done. Oh, fun. um, Okay, Curry for a Cause. Yes, and so Mm -hmm. I was just going to say the the name Curry. So we have Indian dinner. (laughs) Yes, and it's super fun. fun. So, So how do people get involved with, with that if they want to come yeah. be a part of that um, through so, your website? Yeah, just check out the website or on Facebook. I'll be pushing it a lot probably starting January okay. after I get back from India. Um, oh, but, January is when you're going. Mm-hmm. So tell us about yeah. that. What are you? What will you be doing while you're there? Yeah, so I'm really excited for this trip because we, uh, an amazing donor of ours, asked us if we would be interested in having a video production team come with us. Oh, and I'm like, of course. Yes, please. <laughs> so he funded that. And oh we goodness. have this awesome, it's called Between Pixels is the company. And they're coming with us. And they're going to be taking video for oh. us so that we can produce a video to help us. Spread the word. Yeah, spread the word. So that's going to be super fun. So then you can probably show that at your Curry for a Cause right. in March. Mm-hmm. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah, so that's going to be really fun. But, you know, we're just going to be visiting all of the projects and yeah. just finding new ways that we can better support them and... That is so exciting. Yeah. Okay, so back to Curry for a Cause. Yes. And they go to your website and they can, is it a purchase tickets or is right. it? Okay. Yep, All they right. can buy tickets. And then once they come, there's going to be a live auction. There's a silent auction. And I'll 
Probably last year we had a bunch of kids available for sponsors. Okay. And we'll probably be doing that this year too. And people with businesses, if they want to sponsor an entire table at the event, they can do that. So there's all those opportunities too. Oh, that's so So, exciting. So Facebook is also a good place to find out all the updates and info. Right. Because we're pretty active on Facebook. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. Okay. So... We've touched on this a couple times on a podcast called Made for This. Mm-hmm. I mean, here you are, you're, <laughs> you live in Boise, Idaho, and now you are so fully connected across the globe mm-hmm. doing beautiful work in the lives of, of kids. What encouragement do you have for anybody that that may have, it, maybe it didn't start at 13, but maybe they've had this kind of gnawing feeling of mm-hmm. wanting to do something, what encouragement do you have for somebody that's got just that that burden yeah. for a cause to just dive in and yeah and live that out? I would say just, I mean, just do it. Just, don't wait, you know, because I think a lot of times people want to say, oh, my life is just so crazy, I'm so busy, and they are, but, um, but don't use that as an excuse not to just get started and go for it because okay. there is no perfect time to add a new thing on your plate. Right, <laughs> but, yeah. But I think if it's something that you're truly passionate about and you feel you have that feeling like you have to just give birth to something, yeah. then just go do it. Find some people to join with you and just take a step. Every day, just take a new step, I think. Did you hit moments of doubt at the beginning? Yeah, I definitely. And I still do sometimes. It's like it's it's hard, you know, not to play that comparison game. There's so many amazing organizations out there doing amazing work and some that are way bigger than us. And so sometimes I'm like, "Oh, but the thing is is that everybody has a part to play and we're in our little space and somebody else needs to take care of another little space and we all do what we do and and that's how we can make a difference. I'm so glad you said that because I think that's one of the things that led me to even start a podcast like this is that feeling that if we can't solve all of it, we Mm -hmm. don't need to solve any of it or we just throw up our hands and just we're out, right? Mm -hmm. And as opposed to, we, like you just said, we can all take our little piece of the pie. And Mm -hmm. I think in our social media age, Mm -hmm. we can be so hard on ourselves and compare and, well, my Mm -hmm. platform's this size and somebody else's is this size and what's wrong with me? And then use that as a reason to pull out. And when in reality, I, I just feel like what you said is so valuable. We each take our little, Mm -hmm. the part that God gave us, and then he gets to choose how big or small that platform is, but we're just faithful to whatever that burden was that he put on our heart. Mm -hmm. And um, that's so exciting and encouraging and empowering. And I hope people listening that maybe on that edge can Mm -hmm. say, all right, one more step forward. We (laughs) got this. Yeah. Go for it. (laughs) Yep. Just go for it. Yeah. Oh, very good. All right. Well, as we're wrapping this up, I ask almost every guest um, on a podcast again called Made for This. I just really believe we're all made on purpose for a purpose and that that every day if we, we can wake up and just face our life on purpose. And so what encouragement would you have for people that are maybe feeling like they're in kind of the trenches of child toddler life or mundane aspects of a career or, or anything like that? What advice would you have for anybody of just feeling confident that we can just live in our purpose right in the space that God has given mm-hmm. us. Yeah, I think I, I've been I've been reading Jen Hatmaker's book, For the Love, uh-huh. and she talks a lot about how everybody has a calling and it doesn't, it, you don't have to start a nonprofit or you don't have to have this big platform to have an important calling in life and to do good right where you are and to love people right where you are. And so I think, I think that, is something that I wish that 
more people knew and that the younger version of me knew sooner is that just wherever you're at, whether you're home with your kids or whether you're a teacher or whether you're, you know, a fitness instructor or whatever, or the Haitian mom, you know, she talks about the Haitian single mom, wherever you are, you know, loving the people around you is the most important thing. And so I think just valuing where you're at and what can you do right where you're at, you don't have to start some big nonprofit to have it be amazing. Right. So, but if you want to go for it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If that's something that you Mm -hmm. feel like you're supposed to do, that's, that's so good. That's awesome. Well, okay. I know we just met, so maybe this isn't a fair thing, but (laughs) I have so many, so close moments in my life. And I really like to take people down with me on this. Uh (laughs) This is one of my favorite parts of the podcast. Do you have a a so close where you're just on track to being awesome? And then... (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I was on track to being awesome. But, um, <laughs> so a couple years ago, it was probably about three, two or three years ago. I was in India, and I we had a team, a, kind of a big team that was coming with us this time, and I hadn't met any of them. They were all from Oregon, and they were coming with a different contact on Bree's side of, of things. And but Bree wasn't able to make it on this trip, so I was there. I had just met these people, and we were out in a village, and I had put on this white I usually when I go I wear like Indian clothes I oh, just yeah. wear like a sour kameez which is like a longer tunic with leggings or something and so I had bought this new white one and I had never worn it before and so I had just met this team the night before we all got on a bus the next morning and we went out to this village remote village and I had on my cute little white Indian tunic and it was super hot that day and so we were out and I was sweating we were all sweating uh-huh. And all of a sudden, I looked down, and I realized that my adorable white Indian tunic was blue in the <laughs> armpits where I'd been sweating. Blue. Like, bright blue. <laughs> oh, my yes. gosh. Uh, yes. Did you have something blue on underneath that <laughs> no. faded through? No. no it, just... it was the material. It must have just been a really, like, cheap, <laughs> junky oh. one. I don't know. <laughs> oh, so nothing mm-hmm. like just... Basically arrows, just pointing, yep, Yep. this is right where I'm sweating in front of all of you people I've just met. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. And there's no recovering from that. (laughs) You can't do anything. And I had no change of clothes. Right. I was out in a village. You just had your blue armpits. Oh, my god. Beacons. (laughs) Did people, like, do the awkward stare, like, trying not to look? Like, did anybody give you that, like... You know, acknowledgement I just, I tried to kind of keep my arms down right. and <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. nobody was real. Nobody outed me, but I, there's no oh, way they couldn't right. see it, you know? <laughs> oh my so, gosh. Yeah. And nobody else probably fun. had this issue. No. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, not that I noticed. <laughs> oh my word. Yeah. So you're going to be really careful buying tunics from now on. Oh yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh yes. Or, I, I have to test them at home right, first. Right, right. Totally. <laughs> you have to pass the sweat test. Exactly. Oh my gosh, you go to yeah. the gym workout. Yeah, sure. exactly. <laughs> They're not blue. <laughs> oh, I love that. That is so close. Yep. See, that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's perfect. Oh my goodness gracious. All right. Oh, that's just my favorite. I mean, I shouldn't make my poor guests do that, but it really just makes me feel better because this week yeah. I had a so close. I was taking my high schooler to school, which is just every single time I feel like I breathe a prayer of thanks when I exit that parking lot with no incident. It is yes. insane, right? Yes. Insanity. Kids who care exactly none that you're driving there, they don't watch. You have mm-hmm. to make sure you have all of the children on your radar because they're not going to watch out for you. Cars everywhere, kids everywhere. 
and my son dropped something in the car. And so I'm like, okay, well, we're not going to be that person holding up the line where the drop off. So I back into a spot like a sensible person and we're going to, you know, we start looking for this thing that he couldn't find in the car. I didn't put it in park. Did not put my car in park. So now, unbeknownst to us, you know, it's pitch black outside. There's no sun yet. And so we are going so slow. I feel like maybe the parking lot had a little incline or something. Uh We were going so imperceptibly slow that I did not notice we were moving at all. Neither one of us did until we... Yeah, um, bump up against the car across the parking lot aisle. And my son is now dying (laughs) of embarrassment because we have just run into someone that he might know in the parking lot. And I'm dying because how in the heck did this happen? We we were back there. Why are we up here now? Oh, no. Did it do any damage? So close. Tiny little scrapes, which thankfully it was an older vehicle and the people were gracious and said they didn't. It just added to the... Scratches, no dance because we were going, you know, yeah. we didn't, we weren't accelerating <laughs> at all, but oh still it was goodness. like humiliating. I'm in sweats. I have to go into the front office now and say, um, I kind of ran into a car parked car. No, you were in your pajamas. Basically was, it was, I said sweats. That's generous. It was really what I had slept in the night before. It, Cause I had, Oh, anyway. So oh, that's close. awesome. All of it. Humiliating <laughs> to both awesome. my son and I. So close. So close. So <laughs> since this is a regular part of my life, I feel like, you know, let's drag everybody with me. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So fun questions. Are you, I always, I try to ask people cause I'm such a, yeah. I love books. Are you reading anything fun right now? Yeah. I don't, well, I don't know if it's, I don't know if I'd categorize it as fun. Maybe, yeah. So I am reading two books right now. For, oh, okay. For the love, uh-huh. Jen yeah. Hatmaker, which is fun. You know, she's funny. Right. And then Nothing to Prove by Jenny Allen. Oh, I read her anything. I haven't read oh. her new Nothing to Prove yet. Is it good? Yeah, it is good so far. I'm, I'm kind of only halfway through both of those books, but... I love yeah. her. Yeah, me too. I, I love what she stands for. I love mm-hmm. how she communicates. I yeah. love just everything about what she's doing. So yes, I, I, me that's too. on my list. I'm a big fan. Yeah. And I like her writing style. And yeah. I'm, I'm really Very personal. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love, I loved anything. Um, yeah, that's on my list. That's so fun. Do you have a favorite technology tool? Cause I'm so not techie. I always want to know what are yes. people using? What apps, what things yes. are helpful? So my favorite right now is Canva. It's a graphic design site, but it's for people who aren't graphic designers. Oh. And so I use that every single day in my job. Oh my goodness! And okay, it is, tell me what do yeah. you, what is this best for? So, what do you use this for? So for for me, social media oh or any marketing that I do at all, and I mean it's so so easy. And so Canva.com with a C, yeah, C A N V A. Oh my goodness! It's been a lifesaver for me. Okay, I'm going there today. Yeah, yeah. I need some really big help in that department. I depend on my children, and I'm realizing I don't have very much longer with my tech person living with me anymore. Sadly, Aww. and then I will be really in a struggle. Yes, yes. And I tried. I try to just you know do the Photoshop thing or Adobe something, and. That's just, I mean, I could kind of do it, but uh-huh. it, there's it, that you have to just, you have to know so many tricks and yeah. little details. And so with Canva, I mean, seriously, 
a major dummy could do it. Oh Somebody who doesn't gosh. know anything about computers, you could figure out, not that you are, but well, no, whoever I was gonna say, that I'm gonna person is. Well, no, I going to try to prove you right. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody could use this. All right. So. Well, mm-hmm. I would fall in the major dummy technology category, <laughs> so I'm going to give that a try and see if that's okay. a true thing. That's awesome. Okay. Well, this has been so fun. I'm so thankful that I got to meet you, and I'm so thankful that we got to hopefully shed some light on your organization and, and get people excited about what you're doing and thank you partners for yes thank you for the opportunity this yes. has been super fun and oh. I've loved meeting you and yeah. yeah I love your podcast I've been listening to it oh, and now now I'm now I'll be a fan oh that's so fun <laughs> so. oh that's so good well I'm so excited about what you're doing and thank I hope you. people partner and I'll post your illuminateindia.org on the show notes and cool. thank you um, hopefully you'll get some new faces at yeah. your curry for a cause. Curry for a cause, yeah. which yeah, is so clever, awesome. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. All right, thanks. Have All right, a day. You too. Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. I love how Christy is truly doing what she was made to do, and that God began to reveal His purpose for her at such an early age. If you are inspired by her work in India and you want to be a part of it, I'd encourage you again to go visit her website at illuminateindia.org for a look at her holiday catalog. There's so many wonderful giving opportunities that will truly change lives. If you choose to sponsor a child, while it's past the date to be able to send a physical card, Illuminate India has provided an e-card option for you to be able to personally communicate with your sponsor child. I will have all the links we talked about posted on the show notes and on my website for you to check out. I hope that Christy's story truly inspires you to live confidently in your own purpose every day of your life. I truly believe that we're all made on purpose, for a purpose, and that God desires to use you in a powerful way right in the space where you are at. And He's so faithful to equip us for the things He's called us to, as we saw so clearly in Christy's story. Be sure to hit subscribe on iTunes to make sure you don't miss a single episode. And while you're there, if you'd be so kind as to leave a review or a comment, I would deeply appreciate that. In doing so, you're helping me to spread the word about the podcast so that these inspiring stories are able to be shared with even more people. I want as many people as possible to hear what can happen when ordinary people live ordinary lives with an extraordinary purpose. Thanks again so much for listening. I wish you all a very Merry Christmas and the happiest of New Year's. We'll see you again in 2018.